Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined, as always, by my friend, the founder and CEO of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, this is a game of high highs, low lows, and lots of stuff in between. We often talk to founders who find themselves at these, these crossroads where there are really big decisions to be made and big swings to be taken. And yet we constantly will see founders presented with an opportunity and yet they freeze and they're afraid to take the big swings. They're afraid to make those big leaps, even though that's what crosses the chasm to the promised land, or at least that's the hope. What drives this man? What's holding us back? Why are we afraid to take these big swings? If you think about it, we don't have a lot of scenarios just in our lives yeah. where we have to take big, bold swings beyond our station, right? right? So for example, like in school, we are specifically set up in a way where we only level up in a minor incremental way, right? right. Each year we're one grade ahead. Isn't that yeah. funny though? Like how is yep. it that every student is exactly one grade ahead by year, right? Wouldn't it stand a reason that like some of the students should be in fourth grade for like six years? <laughs> I, I remember a couple. <laughs> But we're conditioned this way yeah. and you know, for good reasons in general, but we're conditioned that we're only allowed to take incremental steps. Sure. And by way of our business, it should only grow at this incremental pace. In other words, we're going to build more product, we're going right, to hire right. more people, and then we're going to grow 5 10%. When it comes to the types of businesses, particularly sales businesses, that have big exponential swings, everything is off the table at this point. So it looks something like this. Any consulting business, let's use that to start with, because this is the sure. most common occurrence. Yep. Ryan, if it's you and I, it's just our consulting business, and we want to grow, and all we ever say is, well, we can only sell the work that we can deliver with two people, right? Like we, we can't yep. sell beyond our capacity because we don't have more than two people. Yep. Well, we're going to be two people for the rest of our lives, probably less because we'll go out of business eventually unless we take those swings. <laughs> right. The way we get to 200 people or 2,000 people or whatever our growth goals are, is to sell beyond our capacity. And I think you know, that's what we'll talk about today. People's lack of ability and confidence to be able to sell beyond their capacity and really what to do about it. All right, so before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I always, I always you know, describe this as sales has to go and lie just a little bit about current capabilities and then delivery has to do everything they can to make sure that it's true, right? To, to make it true, right? And, and we don't really have a better option. As you said, if we just sell what we're currently capable of, well, imagine what that looks like as a startup, right? Like that would mean that you would have literally stopped at the cocktail napkin idea phase where you're just like, well, I guess I can sell this thing that I wrote down. A piece. I don't have anything else, right? You're constantly, you're constantly pushing the envelope. You're constantly trying to do something that doesn't yet exist, right? So as you said, let's, let's talk about how we get over some of those things. Okay. I think at, a, at the most basic level, what we're all concerned about is, am I lying? And I'm, I'm kind of making that kind of caustic, but yeah, that's yeah. really what I'm talking about. Am yeah, I lying? Right. Ryan, if you and I go to a client and it's a 10 person job and there's two of us and we bid on the project, 
are we lying because we don't have those extra eight people? Okay, let's just hold that there for a second. Yep. If we're launching a new product and it's in beta, it doesn't really do everything exactly the way we want it to do, but we yep. want to get it out there and tell people literally every pro tech product that's ever existed, right? Are we lying? And the answer is, it depends on how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hindsight will either make us a hero or a liar. That's exactly it. And yep. the difference isn't so much whether we're lying, it's whether or not we have the intent to back it up, right? And so for, <laughs> for our consulting business, if we pitch that business, if we win that business, and once we win the business, we staff up for it like every consulting company does, then we're good. Then we weren't yep. lying, right? Yeah. Lying would be willfully saying, there's no way we're going to deliver this and we're going to tell right. people we're going to do it anyway. Right. We, we walk out of the meeting, we high five ourselves and we're like, okay, let's abscond to uh, the British Virgin Islands with the money because uh, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. Yeah, that, that's not okay. Right. But I think we're constantly, again, we have to push that envelope of exactly what's true now and what can be true in the near term. You know, to go back to the, the scenario that you gave, there's no version of us hiring those eight people without winning that project, right? And there's no version of us winning that project without telling somebody that we can do that and that we have those people or that we will have those people. So these are the things that we have to do to make the progress. And to your point, it's mostly done incrementally. Now, it, it can feel like a big swing. Certainly going from a two-person consultancy to a 10-person consultancy is a pretty big swing, but it's also probably manageable. Obviously, in that scenario, in that moment, in that situation, you're going to be evaluating that, right? And it's like, well, you know, we need to find eight unicorns. Okay, that's going to be tough, right? Maybe maybe we don't pitch that. But if it feels achievable and it, and it is the next step in the iteration in your business, this is what we have to do. It's lying until we make it true, right? Just right. And you know, we talked about this in another episode, right? We did, you know, did. Am I lying? Am I, am I fraud, et cetera? I think it's really hard for folks to understand this concept, particularly around taking big swings, because all the meaningful swings, the things that fundamentally change the trajectory of our business and by way of that, our lives, yep. are based on putting ourselves in positions we're not supposed to be, punching above our weight class. I'll give you an example. Early in my career, we had a very small agency, Blue Diesel, yep. and we merged with a, a traditional agency and we had maybe 40 people. And we had this bizarre opportunity to pitch a pharmaceutical company called Eli Lilly. They were coming out with a new product called Prozac, and we had the opportunity to, uh, to pitch for that business. Heard of all of those things. This scrappy 40-person agency that had no business being in that pitch. We took the entire company, we took the receptionist, everybody into the pitch just so we could look big, right? Because right. these were like yeah. massive pitches. Yeah. And we pitched our asses off. Now we knew there wasn't a chance in hell we would win that business because the folks that we were going up to, I think Gray was the incumbent at the time, were massive agencies. And again, we didn't even belong in the room, but we wanted to show that we could take that swing. We wanted some of the swagger that comes with taking that swing. Sure. Funny side note, we end up winning that business. It wound up being a quarter billion dollars a year worth of business to a 40-person agency. Yeah. So you stop there and you say, okay, hold on a second. You went in front of a major Fortune 500 company as your entire company. It wasn't even just you in the room. Right. And said with full honesty that we can service your business knowing that you were 250 people shy <laughs> of, <laughs> of doing that work, knowing that you were nowhere near capable at present, like not even remotely, right? 
Lily probably had marketing teams internally that they forgot about that were bigger than our actual agency. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Our orders of management were there. How could you possibly make that statement? You know, how could you possibly get in front of them and say that? And the answer is because we believed we could fulfill it, because we believed we could find those people, because we believed we were good enough to do the work. And people look at that and say, well, how could you possibly, how could I possibly know that, right? How, how could, as a founder, how can I take those big swings and not know? The answer is you don't. None of us actually knows that it's going yeah. to go the way we want it to. Ever. It's like anything else in life. It's like having kids. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm just going to try to be a great parent and try to make it work. Flip that on its head. I'm sure Gray was relatively sure they were going to get the business, right? So even when you are sure, you're not sure. Right. And, you know, to, to circle back to that question, right, am I lying? Probably at least a little bit. And that's OK. Right. You could probably there's some, I'm picturing some mathematical model in my head right now that says a company's growth rate is probably fairly well tied to the percentage of which they're lying about their current capabilities. Right. Had you not gone into that pitch you'd still be 40 person agency, right? If you were just selling 40 person agency work over and over and over and over and over again, you stay there. Maybe, maybe, you know, a little incremental growth here or there, but in order to make these big leaps that sometimes we need to as startup companies, again, we've talked about this in the past. If you're on a VC funded route, you don't have the luxury of slow, stable, organic, incremental growth. You have to take big swings. And this is often why we go for the capital in the first place, right? To fund the big swing. Now, are you sure that's going to work? Well, you might have been, but you were probably wrong, right? Look at the number of VC bets that actually back out. That will tell you how many people were lying and proved that they were lying <laughs> through their actions. But again, not intentionally, just through the hindsight of we took our shot, we shot our shot, we missed, it didn't work, and now here we are, right? But this is what it looks like. It's what we have to do. We don't have a choice. I'd like to reframe then the am I lying and put it in, in a context that I think is more realistic to what's happening is I'm going to make a commitment. The question isn't whether I'm making the commitment. The question is whether I'm going to back it up. Yeah, that's exactly it. My commitment is going to be that our agency is going to, is going to add 250 people and we're going to be a badass partner. By the way, it's, it's it. like 30 years later and Lily's still a client. So, I mean, yep. it kind of worked out. It worked. It worked. And when I look at that, I say, okay, we're going to make a commitment. Will we be able to back it up? And obviously, there's a million things that can go wrong. That's part of you know, how this all works. But the next part I think we should probably talk about is how wrong do they actually go? Sure. Because I think we think in terms of if I make this commitment and I don't uh, stand behind it or I can't fulfill, that it's just full apocalypse, totally binary. Yeah. If, if this doesn't work, everything goes wrong and the right. entire place goes on. Right. If I lose this title fight, I never fight again. Right. It's just not true. Right. We, we see this in so many other other avenues in life and so many other places. And yet when we're the founder, we imagine that if I take this swing and I miss that it's total failure. Right. And it's just not the case. you got to model it out, too, because I think when people think if I make a commitment and I don't back it up again, it's all or nothing. It's actually never how it works. I'll give you an example. We'll go back to this, this agency model, right? We didn't expect in a million years to win this business. To say we were unprepared for it would be a wild un understatement, right? But you were knowingly unprepared for it, right? You understood that there were things that would have to happen on the other side. We got back on the bus and went home and we're just like, okay, well, that was fun. You know, did you actually take a bus? Yeah, we took it to Indianapolis. It was a three hour. The whole company was on the bus at the time. I, I, like it was like a party bus. Okay. At least it was a party bus. I was, I was picturing you guys getting on like the rapid transit and, you know, and 
you know, actually, now that I think about it, I never thought about this until I just said it. I was studying for what was essentially going to be the last test I ever took in college. Like little did I know, because I was still going to, going to uh, college at the time. Yep. I think I was 21 or maybe 22. I remember studying on, on the, the bus. bus because I was being made fun of the entire time, right? And I'm studying uh, on the bus and I remember like we come back and I'm just like, oh, I, I, like this is how like how right. unsure I was. I was still in college. Like I was, was still planning still, on yeah. taking my midterms or whatever. Well, in case the pitch didn't go well, right? In case you, to, to your point about total failure, if we swing and miss, I better pass this exam so that I can go get a job. Oh, that's hysterical. Become a resident advisor or something like that yeah. and, and some pay some bills, but whatever. My oh, point man. is, so we are totally unprepared. Here's what ends up happening. We ended up getting a word of the business, which we never saw coming. And we looked around and said, oh shit, how do we turn this small agency into what was essentially going to become a huge agency? And the answer is, let's just one, not sleep, but two, let's just pick it off every week. And, and for the first year, maybe the first 18 months, we hired a new person every single day, which is actually kind of a fun and interesting ride. Wow. 18 months. Right. The, the reality nice. though is we didn't have to succeed the next day. We had a long time to figure it out. And did stuff go wrong? Oh man, like crazy. <laughs> well, you figure it out as you go. And so I think when we consider, you know, as founders, hey, if I take this swing, an example, if I take on capital or if I take on a partner or if we launch this new product and it fails, I'm just completely screwed. It's like, not really. Some things will go wrong. It's kind of the way it goes, not a big yeah. deal. And you'll figure it out. And if it does fail, it fails by like 20%. Sure. In our case with Lily, I, it's so long ago, but like we probably failed on some commitments. We were probably behind on some deliverables, but it wasn't apocalyptic. Yeah, it's an abject failure, right? It's just right. how business works. Here's the way I would couch it. We take big swings and we manage failure. Yeah. We take a big swing and we manage failure, right? And, and we keep chipping away at you know what failure looks like, but I don't think we think about it in terms of we take big swings and we always win. I don't know a single founder or product that's ever done that, right? I don't care if you're two people in a room building a product, right? Or frigging Apple, everyone yeah. misses. Yeah, right? exactly. And we all yeah. deal with the aftermath. Big swings and then you make big comebacks, right? And we saw that in, in Apple's case specifically, right? They had become not entirely relevant to the market, but they were not the tip of everybody's tongue. Uh, stock price certainly wasn't doing what it's doing now. And then jobs came back in. They made some big changes, made some big swings and landed some amazing products that have put them where they are now, right? But it took big swings. Now, I don't know what they were thinking at the time, whether they thought this is, you know, we're, we're, we're in the signs of the death rattle now. We have to do something if they were thinking it was dire straits big swing or, or not, but it's certainly they, they had the confidence to take the swing. Um, and I'm sure they were ready to manage failure if it happened. Uh, they'd been doing that for a, a number of years at that point, you could argue. So they, they were no, uh, no strangers to that type of failure, right? Again, not abject and complete total failure, but managing through a period where not everything was going right and coming out with a big swing and then completely changing the trajectory of the business for at least the last 15, 20 years now. You know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com. And let's just start talking. Let's just talk about just so we have some reference points for folks that are listening. Some places where people tend to not take the swing 
yeah. or get maybe a little bit gun shy. And, and let's take the sales part off of it just for a second, because I think there's some non-obvious places. Your landing page, the claims you make on your landing page, the delivery you say you're going to make on your landing page, the copy that you write, the, yep. the confidence, et cetera. Ryan, you see this all the time, right? Where, where people, they're so nervous about what the product isn't yet because it's not the version they think it is. They forget their customers don't give a shit, right? Yep. The, the yep. customers want what they want. They landed there because they want this at all. Like we've said this before, like we're using the the 10,000th version of Google right now. Obviously, V1 wasn't that good, but yet yeah. it worked out pretty well for Google, <laughs> it right? Sure did. It changes, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's all an iterative process. And again, like without taking any kind of swings, without experiencing success or failure, what are you using to, to drive the ship at that point, right? You have to have those scenarios created, both success and failure, to figure out what to do next, right? Otherwise, at best, you're going to maintain whatever you have right now, which for most early stage startups, they're like, that would be the last thing I want, right? I don't want to maintain thing in its current state because its current state kind of sucks, right? So you have to take some level of swings, but I think that's a great point, Will. You know, there are lots of swings and we're constantly doing this, right? We're constantly thinking about, you know, how we position ourselves, what we're saying and, and taking liberties here and there. And that's, that's all part of the same thing, right? We have to be able to project a little bit beyond where we are. We have to be able to try a little more than we're doing right now. Otherwise, nothing happens. Sorry, yeah. I was gonna give you some more examples. Hiring, right? All the time, especially in the yeah. early days. I don't wanna hire this person because if it doesn't work out, they might have to leave. Right. And, and obviously, we don't wanna see that happen. But we end up going gun shy and making hires, sometimes important yeah. and game-changing hires, because we're, we're not willing to deal with the aftermath. And yeah. the reality is the aftermath's never that bad. It's not like we hire somebody and everything looks perfectly fine and they're in Shangri-La, and then yep. all of a sudden, one day we wake up and we have to fire them. Yep. There's a lot of things happening between here and there. That'd be like, hey, I don't want to get married because I might just instantly get divorced. And it's like, right. it doesn't right, right, quite right. work that way. You got to invest in the relationship. You got time. The, the other thing, I'll give you another version of that same scenario. Well, it's, and it's around hiring. It's where we get gun shy around the price of the resource we really need. And we try to find somebody who's less expensive, which look in certain size and stage of business, you can do that. You can upskill somebody. You've got time for them to come along. That rarely works in startup land. You need somebody who knows what the hell they're doing because so much else is in flux, right? You know, there's so much that's undetermined, undefined in a startup at its early stages. When you do need to make that hire, you want somebody that knows what they're doing. And I've talked about this before in the context of marketing, where you get false negatives by not following through on the budget correctly, not sticking to an initiative. Same thing happens with hires, but yeah, we can we can go there with marketing as well, but stick to the hiring for a second. You can do the exact same thing there, right? You bring somebody on who's too junior of a resource to actually carry that forward to that next level and cross this gap from where we are now to where we wanna be, right? Make that little lie true. And then you just prove yourself out to be the liar, right? Again, we're not really talking about lies here, but when we do have these moments in time where we're ready to take a swing and we don't swing quite hard enough, right? So when the time for the big swing comes, we have to remember, we've got to match the momentum of the swing to the, to the size of the opportunity as well. And so when we don't do that, whether that's hiring, marketing, a hundred other places, that can go really wrong really fast, 
or not, right? It could take years to figure that out. And it's still the same thing. You just end up floundering, not moving forward. And again, go say, you stay that same 40 person agency, right? That could have been the person doing $250 million for Eli Lilly, but we didn't swing hard enough. You know, here's what I would say. It's about taking big swings and managing failure, yep, right? If we really think about it in those terms versus I won't take big swings because it might fail. Yeah. If we were to say, look, fuck it, I'll take any swing, right? right. I'm going to swing on, on everything. I'm not trying to be cavalier here, but just like taking all the way. Yep. Sure. I'm going to swing on everything. And by definition, I'm going to make a lot of misses and it's going to be stressful. It's going to be costly, but I'm not going to stop swinging. If some of those swings, you know, kind of uh, overexpose me a little bit, I got to dial back for a little bit, you know, in resource again, so be it. Yeah. But I'm not going to stop taking the swings. And here's why that's so important. Because the cost of not swinging, the cost of standing in place is so high, right? And now, now let's, we'll talk about complacency on the one hand. And the other side, we'll just talk about, which is the same outcome, fear, right? Where yep. I know I should be doing more. I know I should be taking leaps. But again, I'm, I'm afraid to. And what ends up happening is I end up just in this stasis mode, right? Kind of like the, the, the elephant with the chain on their leg. Sure. And, you know, I'm just standing there going, I could break free, but I've chosen not to. And that's the death knell for, for all kinds of startup. hundred percent. So here's, here's an interesting scenario. Talked to a founder about a week ago and similar position where they're, they're, they currently have a burn rate, right? But they've got about a year of runway with the current burn rate, but they've been on the same burn rate for almost three years, right? They raised some money up front. They've been on the same burn rate for almost three years very little upward motion in the business. There's an opportunity now to do something to scale some customer acquisition. And the founder is is sort of complacent on the one hand, but I think he's being held in complacency by a little bit of fear. And the fear was, if we make this bet, it's going to reduce the run rate to somewhere between six and nine months. And so the conversation that we had, nothing definitive yet, but the conversation that we had was, okay, but that at least gives you the opportunity to eclipse that burn rate and extend your runway. Otherwise, right now, you've got two years of history that say nothing is changing. The market's not changing. Your product's not changing. Your marketing's not changing. Nothing is creating growth right now. This complacency just means you'll survive for 12 months and then go out of business versus trying to take swing. And so again, not simple, right? And it's not, I'm not suggesting like the obvious answer is cut your burn rate to six months and hope for the best, right? It's not that simple. But if we look at all of the factors at play, we can sort of say doing nothing is just going to result in a slightly slower demise. This is where this becomes a huge problem, right? To your point, Will, we're trading some uncertainty in terms of will we hit with this swing for the absolute certainty that we'll fail over a longer period of time if we don't do anything. Right. So it's taking on a, a certain risk because we're afraid of the uncertainty of the other. Right. Which is a really, really tough spot to navigate, but super dangerous to do nothing about. I remember for some reason I was at a lecture and I'm wondering if you were there with me. Uh, it was a long time ago and it was one of the co-founders of Living Social. I mean, this is such. Oh, wow. Yeah, that goes. <laughs> yes, I was. A group yeah. on, right. And uh, he used a phrase, I'll never forget this, called making strong moves. And yeah. he said, within the company, they were always focused on what are the strong moves that we're going to make. And, and at the time, it served them very well. I don't, can't remember what happened to Living Social, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that wasn't. They made some strong moves. 
Yeah, yeah. But at the time, they're doing great. And so I think from a startup standpoint, from a founder standpoint, we've got to zoom out a little bit and say, okay, it's not okay if I make no big swings, right? right. I can't do nothing. Yep. So I'm going to pick a big swing. And I don't have to make 10 at once. I don't have to get crazy with it. I don't have to you know, put myself out of business, so to speak. But I do need to be very, very, very mindful that if I don't have some swings on deck, if I don't have at least one thing that me or my company is swinging toward, yep. my guarantee is I'm going nowhere. Yeah, I, that's exactly it. You're, you're guaranteeing at best, I would say, stasis, right? At worst, it starts to, de to decay, right? If nothing is moving in the direction that you want it to in your business and you don't have any strong moves in the tables, your point, if there's nothing on deck that's gonna take a big swing, what are you actually doing, right? You're just treading water at that point and that has a finite lifespan, right? Just like treading water, you can do that for a period of time. But as you and I know very well, you will burn out, you will run out of physical, emotional, financial capital, and, and things will start to change for the worst, right? Stasis is not a positive situation for most startups, right? Not at that early stage where things are not yet figured out, the scale isn't happening, growth's not happening, profitability may not even be happening. Holding still in those moments or just maintaining velocity, no bueno, you cannot do it. The other side too is, if you swing and hit, right? And it doesn't right. happen that often. And, and here's what I wanna be clear about. Most of the swings we take actually will miss. So this is why I'm saying, you know, we're taking swings, but we're optimizing our, our downside when it happens. You know, we're managing through our failure. But what we keep saying is, but we're gonna keep taking the swings. Sure. By doing that, when they eventually hit, and they will eventually hit, it is such a game changer for our business. It is. You know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. We talked about, you know, when we bought Zirtual, you know, yeah. we bought a company that had 400 people overnight, basically. Huge swing. I mean, as swings yeah. go, and, and, and it was yeah. bigger than our own company. And we took that huge swing, and it was stressful as hell, and a million things went wrong, yeah. but it kind of worked out. At least a million and one went right, right? Yeah, yeah. And not because we had any confidence or visibility that it was going to work. No one could. I mean, again, we don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. But we knew that if we didn't take the swing, when we were given the opportunity, that there would be a lot of cost to that. Again, the cost of losing momentum. And so we did, and it worked out. And it ended up being a huge accelerant for our company, but also I think gave us a lot of confidence, right? That we could do things like that. Sure. No different than the story I shared with you before when we were at the agency and we won this huge account and it gave us so much confidence that we could go do more. And now it's like yeah. a $6 billion company, right? I mean, yeah. that confidence, that's where it started. That was the genesis of what became something insanely you know, big. Yeah, and again, without taking the swing, that doesn't happen, right? I think that's the other thing is that in as much as that confidence can compound and, and propel you on to greater and greater heights and, and to do more and more and give you that confidence to, to continue to stretch, to continue to reach, continue to accomplish, fear compounds just as fast, if not faster, right? Once you get into that fear-based decision-making mode and you're afraid to take the swing because of the potential cost, at what point do you decide to change that? Right. Once you begin that particular momentum of either just holding still or being conservative and not taking the swings, at what point do you decide to change that? And I can tell you, it's typically when it's too late and when you're in a, a desperation mode. Right. So this was the scenario that we talked through.
with this, the founder that I referenced earlier was, okay, let's play it out. Let's, let's go nine months from now and nothing has changed. How do you make that decision then? Will you put that money in? And the, and the answer was an obvious, well, yeah, of course, if we've gone that far and nothing else has changed, then at that point we have to, right? And now you've got three months to pull up instead of six to nine, right? And that's assuming that nothing goes right, because if it does start to go right, you buy yourself incrementally more runway. That's the other thing I think, this is where that kind of the big swing, big hit analogy breaks down a little bit because, well, no, I guess not. Let's look like if we're playing baseball, let's play baseball. Base hits also happen, right? We can take big swings. Maybe we just get a base hit and maybe it doesn't achieve what we set out to achieve. And maybe it doesn't erase our burn rate, but maybe it reduces a little bit, right? Those things matter too. extends it another two months. So we have a few more months to figure it out. But again, doing nothing, rarely an answer that works out well in startup land. I think what it comes down to is we have to be willing to bet on ourselves. Yeah. And it's hard to do For sure. because at the time when we're making that bet, it's terrifying. <laughs> we don't look like very worthy bets most of the time, right? It's not like, yeah, like, like I don't really like my odds, but you that's the bet you have to make. That's yeah, the you're bet not you the one founder that's yeah. stressed about it. We all right. are, right? Exactly. It's not like, like Ryan and I are sitting here with supreme confidence. You know, when we make nope. these swings, we're like, fine, I don't know. Yep. Here we go. The only difference is we've been doing this for long enough to know. That when we swing and we miss, we figure shit out. Oh, I'm so comfortable with the sound of the bat slicing through the air, right? The sound of the whiff no longer scares me. It just tells me I need to reload and get ready to swing again, right? That's it. That's that's the only thing that's changed. I'm not even, my, my, my batting percentage hasn't increased at all, right? That's not how this works. You don't really get better at taking the swings, I don't think. You just get more comfortable swinging. That's it. That's all that changes. What yeah, changes? exactly. And it's worth it. So as far as I'm concerned, the only thing a founder can do right now in order to take those swings is to just say, you know what, I'm probably going to miss and I'll figure it out. Because if For we sure. don't take the swings, we're totally screwed. We're stuck in place and there's no version we're ever going to accelerate the business. We're ever going to grow the business if we're, we don't have the confidence to take those big swings. 100%, man. You know, I think like in summary, right, as we think about taking these swings, as we think about what this looks like, right? Are we lying? No, but in startup land, the truth is something that we stretch, right? We stretch it to the point where it can be the war drum that we march to as a startup company, right? Where we have the confidence to take these swings. To your point, we then manage the failure, right? And when we fail, what do we do? We pick the damn drum back up, we beat it some more, we stretch the truth a little further, we continue until we get what we want, right? But we're not gonna get anywhere if we don't keep swinging. All right, so that was fun, but let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but, you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online, like, all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of, from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations.